All right, everyone, welcome back to Bald, Bold and Gold. Uh, you know, as usual, we start with around the country. Uh, and the reason we do that is to kind of talk about all the other games and kind of what it means for the Fighting Irish and our playoff chances and everything around that. But unless you're living in a hole or don't have an internet connection, you probably know that uh, the Irish season, for all intents and purposes, and what we kind of thought before the year, is in terms of making the playoffs, that's, that chance is over. 33-20 against a very strikingly average Louisville team that acted like they wanted to be there on Saturday night when the Irish did not. So, it sucks. Um, now we just kind of got to figure out, you know, what it means to the rest of the season and where we want to go. Um, does anybody have something they really they really want to start on? No. It was a lot of bad and ugly. I'll get started with the extremely ugly. Um, turns out this offensive line only has one NFL draft pick on it. Mm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't draft Blake Fisher to my USFL team. I wouldn't draft him to a flag football team at this point to be the automatic center. Um, they they were they were they were atrocious, and uh, there's going to be plenty of jokes to be made. And I think the criticism is fair of Parker and some of the some of the play calling. But I did a full rewatch today and paid very very close attention. And I promise you, if anybody else rewatches it, he had very very little help from what should be mm -hmm. a Joe Moore caliber. Offense, Joe Moore award caliber offensive line between Blake Fisher, uh, Blake Fisher and Pat Coogan and the and the rotation that they ran through, which also didn't make a lot of sense to me. We can come back to that, but the rotation they ran through, nobody had a good game. Even Alt, this was the worst game I've seen Alt have in a Notre Dame uniform, and it wasn't remotely close. Um, they made they made the Louisville defensive line look like it was Reggie White and Michael Strahan rushing all night. Um, and and it wasn't. Um, so th that's really unfortunate. Three three for thirteen on third downs, and I don't necessarily think that, that it was often that Notre Dame put themselves in like a third and seven or third and eight. A lot of it was third and three, third and two, third and four, um, things that are very achievable for a Joe Mel Joe Moore caliber offensive line. Um, so I, I want to get to the coaching on the whole, especially with Parker and address some of the criticism. But to start, man, that's it's extremely disappointing when. The give the given this week was that we were going to control the line of scrimmage, and we didn't. We weren't even fucking close. No, we we weren't close at all. Um, you you brought up a lot of good things, Slev. Uh, we looked gassed, as you said. Yep. Yano looked like we didn't want to be there. Um, looked a little shell shocked when it did started to not go our way. A uh, lot of question marks. I think you bring up a good point on. Not only may we not be – we might be questioning the wrong coach. I think we have to question a couple different coaches, but there are a lot of things that didn't work. It wasn't just play calling. Uh, it, it wasn't just execution. There were a lot of things that went wrong. Um, and it was one of the most unenjoyable football games I've watched because the slow, slow realization that we're just not the football team that we thought we were. And I don't really have the answers as to why not. And you bring up Blake Fisher. It's not like Blake Fisher – just hasn't developed. He's he's gone backwards, and I don't mm -hmm. I don't know why he's gone backwards. Yeah, I mean it, it was a football team that you know you look at our other loss against Ohio State. There was maybe even more positives than negatives that come out of that game in terms of mm -hmm. 
the direction of the program, guys stepping up, you know, guys that we expected before the season to be studs, played like studs in that game. And, you know, if this team was to reach its full potential at any point, you know, you have to lean on those guys, whether it's a Joe Alt who gets bull rushed by a 240-pound guy and put on his can and falls into Hartman, or Ben Morrison, you know, not playing like the Ben Morrison of the previous 16 games or so we've seen him play. Or, you know, we mentioned the offensive line. And, you know, and not only that, it was – this was a game where our preseason worries, you know, the spots we were a little worried about, kind of came to the head, particularly yeah. on, on the offensive side of the ball. The interior line, you know, one thing I saw Louisville did was they targeted those guys and won there. Our receivers couldn't get open. Our best receiver in this game was a lacrosse player. Um, like It was everything we worried about and that we thought we had answers to and thought, you know, things were going to be a little better than they were. And in terms of Sam Hartman's performance, it was a bit of a Murphy's Law game, you know. Everything that could go wrong will go wrong. You know, I don't think we expected them to finish the year with zero interceptions. Um, but quintupling your turnover output in one game is just not a way to get it done. Yeah, that yeah. that stadium seems to give them nightmares a little bit. Uh, I was watching with two non-Notre Dame fans. Unfortunately, it was Michigan fans, so like that played into the most unenjoyable as I saw them just roll Minnesota at the same time we were losing. But they kind of were – you know, being nice about it, trying to be like, nah, you guys have figured out. Like, it's not a, and I, third quarter, I was like, no, like, we're not winning this game because we have no answers. Yep. I think on the whole, like, I think this goes credit to Jeff Brom. Uh, their staff on the whole was dramatically better prepared for this game than our staff was. No, no doubt, no doubt about it. Um, I think, you know, Bud Elliott said it on like the cover three. Reaction show on Saturday night that was two on Sunday. That, like that coaching staff is definitively better than ours, and he's probably right. I'll probably, I probably have too much Homer in me to admit that. But like you got, there's again, we'll come back to Parker and stuff. But oh, on the whole, severely outcoached. We were severely they they prepared way way better than we did. Um, we just didn't look like we like we really wanted to be there. On Saturday night, if our our defense wasn't perfect, but they did enough for us to win the game. Totally, totally. If, I, I that was the one thing I wanted to drive home. Our defense they, did enough to win the game. If they were better, it would have been a little closer. Definitely missed some tackles, and we can touch on that. But I think Al Golden did a really good job. I, I'm not gonna let the offense off the hook by bringing the defense into it because they kind of played up to what we needed them to play. Yeah, that game was that game was seven seven at the half, right? Yeah, after yeah, the missed yeah, because I missed yeah. it, and and that was after that was after some bad turnovers, and even going in the third quarter, right? Like we were we weren't figuring out offensively, but like Notre Dame's defense was holding and or holding to field goals at least, right? Uh, they were keeping keeping Notre Dame in this game, but if you're not going to have any answers on offense, you're not going to have any answers at all. That's you know that dam's going to break at some point, and you know yeah. bingo, it happened in the fourth in the third and fourth quarter with Jawar Jordan. Finding some seams. Yeah. You look at, you know, what I was really impressed with by Jeff Brom, who's like, he's known as a great offensive coach. Like that's been known around the country for years. And what he did was he threw new wrinkles into the game. That's what great coaches do. You see something on film, you capitalize it, you take advantage and you put the defense on their heels. 
I have not seen that once from Notre Dame. I guess except for trying a jet sweep to Tyree, that was absolutely botched. But like no no wrinkles, no trying something else. It's line up in the same formations, try to run the same stuff. And I get the philosophy of saying, like, here's what we do. Our players are better than you. This is high-level college football. Like they have NFL players on their side of the ball, too. Like you, you can't expect to just do the same thing and just steamroll through teams. You have to adapt and get better. And we just haven't seen that. And I think the lack of creativity, the lack of, you know, even in-game adjustments, try to do something else. And I know like, you know, they're just wealth of time for Hartman, people missing assignments, getting blown up, but you will have loved to see more of it. Yeah. I think the most impressed I was with anybody in this, in the, in the whole game was on the Louisville side sideline and it was Brahms ability to adapt to something or Brahms ability to implement something they had not shown on tape uh, by, by working that triple option in, right. Or working that up, working that speed option in with the quarterback and the running back, man, Notre Dame, again, it didn't kill us. Right. Like, like yeah. a, a lot of it happened in the first quarter and the first few drives and Notre Dame was obviously underprepared for it, but they held right. You bend and don't break or you give up the one touchdown and again, even even after even it felt like you were so much on your heels, given seven, seven giving up seven points for the first for the first half is not bad at all. Um, but that was that was something that you guys were saying it well. You guys were saying it well on, on Saturday, and I won the rewatch today. I noticed it too that that option was not something we looked woefully underprepared for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even so, we were just overall. It was a four-point game going into the fourth quarter. Like we had a chance to just kind of grind it out, and mm-hmm. and it just looked like we weren't ready and or willing to do that. Like we went in, I don't know, expecting to win in a game that kind of all of us, if if we didn't play well, we were going to get beat, and that's exactly what happened. And I do want to comment on coaching because I think I think we start there, we go to players, and it starts at the top down. We mm-hmm. talked a little bit about kind of Freeman's coach speak and and how he's kind of seems un, unfazed, but we know that, you know, the house is shaking a little bit. I wanted never, I don't want BK back, but BK would get on a coach. And BK would get on a player. Freeman was kind of wet ragging it while it was falling apart. Didn't see him get in the coach or any any rest beak. Didn't get in, in any assistant coach's beak. Didn't get in any O line beak. Like we needed some sort of fire. We weren't getting it. There was a distinct lack of fire on our sideline. It's like we, we got hit in the mouth first drive. Whatever you know, we did yeah. come back. We we scored a touchdown second quarter. That should have been should have been a reset there. You know, you get the guys and like. Mentality was a good team, especially like teams at the level we want to be at. That happens all the time. Ohio State was struggling with Maryland, a very mm-hmm. similar situation. I guess mm-hmm. they were at home, so they didn't have the crowd behind them, but they were losing to a very similar level opponent. And do you know what they did? They flipped a switch, turned it the fuck on, and blew them out. Yeah. That's what great teams do there. And we folded. It was it was execution everywhere. And I, I know it wasn't entirely on Parker, but I mean, he called enough plays where, you know, one player makes a block, something hits. And, like, we just made so many mental mistakes, even more physical mistakes. On the offense side, defensive, you know, we talked about the tackling. Like, that, it's got to be figured out. That wasn't the best set of athletes we're seeing on the, on the offensive side of the ball. No. Let, let, let's get to Parker here because I think that 
rightfully so. I think a lot of us, our immediate reaction was to kind of get on Parker on Saturday night. Um, and and I, I can't disagree with that. The fact of the matter is you were three for 13 on the third down. Uh, two for two for third or two for twelve before the last drive. So, that, you know, it was you just picked up a late one there in garbage time. Um, but three for thirteen on third down, and and we haven't really scored much over the last few weeks. But my, my huge problem, my huge problem, or I, I just won't, I won't be getting on Parker as much anymore until I see some d- definitive improvement up front. Because at first, you know, we're all we're all saying this that. Hey, why with third and short? Why isn't estimating the game and why aren't we running up the middle? Well, we put estimating the game or we leave Payne in the game, who I'm totally cool with because I think Payne's a really good short yards third down back at this point. He's proven mm-hmm. that. And they get blown to pieces, right? They get they get they get blown to pieces. They don't they don't have a chance to get back to the line of scrimmage. They don't have a chance to make a move in the backfield. They're all over them. And then to try to offset some of that upfield pressure. You try to run these, try to run these sweeps, and the fact of the matter is, is like that's the sweep to Tyree probably hits if you get the exchange down. that's not on Parker. Like Parker tried to change it up on third down. He tried to figure, try to try these other things, and and he just got no help from from a bunch of almost adult. Adults, you know, out yeah. there. Um, he did. He dialed another one up to Tyree. That tough yeah. catch, tough catch. If he makes that catch, it's a different game. Um, I'm with you, Tom. What I've seen from Parker, and I think Donna, you've you've identified this during in game pretty well. But I don't think he has the adaptability. I think he's kind no. of slow to recognize what's working and what's not working. And I think his sequencing of play calls is a little off he'll call a play mm-hmm. call on third down that should be called on second down and, mm-hmm. and then third down call something that should have been called on first down. like it just doesn't always make sense and is like situational awareness seems off sometimes so don i'll, I'll, I'll let you kind of speak to that a little bit because i i do think slev you're right you shouldn't be left off or like there's a you're not getting any help but mm-hmm. a better offensive coordinator fixes these issues yeah yeah it, it, just, it, like, it, it, before you go playing. sorry D, before you go before, sorry, before you go, because I want to let you go it, into your to what you're saying. It feels more reactive than proactive. The play calling, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Good. Yeah, no, because what Louisville did is they saw things that worked and hammered them into the ground. We had things that worked. It's not like we were going three and out, three and out in the first half. In the second half, different story because we kept trying to do the same shit that wasn't working. There were certain plays that worked. Like we were able to move the ball, go three by one, spread them out a little because they were hammering the box. When we went three by one, four wide receivers on the field with Jordan face on, we were able to get guys open. And guess who never sees a target the rest of the game? We don't, we're, we're going back to two, three tight end sets and still trying to hammer them. Like I, if there's stuff that works, it's probably going to keep working. That's like, you know, it's a schematic advantage. You're drawing up players in the favorable matchups. Like you have Jordan face on matched up on the third or fourth corner or linebacker or safety. And it's like, you're not good. He's a walk on, but I think he showed like, well, he's on scholarship now, but like, you know, if you can get a guy who's getting open when no one else on the team can get open, keep going to it. Like we've been so reluctant outside of like using Mitchell Evans as a safety back blanket to just like hammer a matchup that we're winning into oblivion that's what teams in the nfl do that's what great teams in college do it's you you know we try to get too cute and spread the ball around and 
you know, sometimes that's great when you're playing at Tennessee State and you have like five different dudes catch touchdowns. In big night game, intense matchups on the road, biggest home game in five years for the opponent. Sometimes you just got to take what you can get. I want to talk yeah. a little bit about the personnel because um, there's two sides of the two sides of the coin here. I love the way Jeremiah Love runs the ball, and he needs to get plenty Absolutely. of touches. But Estimate didn't get a touch until the end of the first quarter. Like so, I don't. I that was a little odd to me. And also, is Rico Flores our number one receiver now? Because we went to him on the opening drive, three maybe four times. Yeah. And a program with the prestige of Notre Dame football should not ever be relying on a walk-on wide receiver to make a game-tying catch on the road week five. Like, we should just never be in that position. And, like, overall, we haven't had that many injuries. Other teams have been less lucky than we have. We've had day-to-day, but we haven't had any season-enders, really. And we're still kind of struggling to figure it out week six. We're three different combinations on the O-line. Like, I think, overall, my, my point here is – like the roster that we had is not as good as we thought it was. And those questions that you mentioned, Dono, like they're really, they're not questions anymore. They're problems. Yeah. Ian, I think you're right on the personnel stuff, man. I, if somebody can give me a rhyme or reason to the running back rotation, like if somebody's recognizing a pattern that I'm not, please let me know. Um, mm-hmm. It just feels like other than, other than pain really being your short yardage back. Okay, yeah. That's really the only thing I'm recognizing. I just I don't, and I get it. Like I, I want to see all of the I want to see all of love. Like I think Jeremiah Love is such a bright spot on this team, but it's mind boggling the lack of estimate use. Really, um, it, it it's, also it's, it's great, quite confusing. It's a great change of pace for you know mm-hmm. carries keeping everybody fresh, but it causes issues on blitz pickups, which was an issue. Like, yeah. there's not like a lot of rhythm, and it's got to be tough to communicate from the O line to Sam Hartman on identifying who's picking up where when you have different back in the backfield every other play. Yeah, and yeah. the offensive line rotation, I just did not think this was the time nor the place for it, man. Like, you got you got this big one, big ranked game, seven thirty. You got one more next week, and you could get to the bye the week after, and then you got Wake, and maybe those two weeks or the weeks where hey, you want to start changing things up. We see it there, but man, not 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 Louisville, not at seven thirty in a loud environment like that. Man, it was that was disastrous. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do it, practice it all week. Let guys, five guys, get chemistry together, then roll with it. Like I honestly have no problem with switching it up with at the guard position. No. Hasn't been strong, so you want to switch it up, roll with it. Let five like it's so important for those five guys up front to get the checks and the chemistry, especially in a loud environment where it's literally a tap on the arm or something like that. Like you need every single rep in practice to get that shit down. And you could tell, you know, they made mental mistakes and they made tons of physical mistakes. It was a team that just wasn't ready to play, and ultimately that falls on Freeman. And just one question I have is. Do you think this team's just exhausted? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. D, before we get before we get to the exhaustion point, one more thing to the coaching point that Ian, like Ian was talking mm-hmm. about the lack of rhythm and stuff. I'm very the, the the lack of like effective play action has been really confusing to me, right? And I, I think I finally somebody on Twitter finally opened my eyes to what yeah, it was I think this week. Flamang, what? Yeah, he was. I think he said it was basically like. 
the play action for this team should be unstoppable. But the problem is, is that the play action that they choose to run is not out of the same formations they run the ball out of. So it doesn't look like it's going to be a run, right? It's not like you run the inside zone with two backs or you run the inside zone with one back and three receivers and a tight end. They really change it up, and, and when it's play action, it looks like a completely new formation. That's kind of defeats the purpose of the play action, which really hampers our ability. And, and that's because because our, our receivers probably aren't going to be able to get separation. That's a really good way for us to throw the ball down the field, and, and we just can't do it because people recognize exactly what's happening before the snap, before they even snap the football. Yeah, and I think with like occasionally we'll switch it up by going for some home run draw play there but when mm -hmm. you already got dudes pinning their ear back and coming after the quarterback it's tough to get through the line on a draw play like that mm -hmm. like so i thought that was a great id that goes back on parker that's just poor play design yeah. that's exactly idea. that's that that piece is on parker for sure that's what i that's why i wanted to mention before we got to the to the other piece about exhaustion because that is that part is also real yeah i mean losing your strength coach before the season probably is important and, and oh, it's it was more than be. just like they're more than just you know strength and conditioning. It's like that's the guy that gets dudes pumped up on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's not Freeman in a. It's not Freeman in an all team meeting at, at nine a.m. It, it's Bayless at seven a.m. on a Wednesday getting dudes pumped up and ready to go. And like they're the ones that are using bulletin board material and stuff like that, getting them going. So I think that's a good point. That loss hits a little harder as well. Um, the exhaustion point. This is stupid. This is a stupid point. But I did see that Notre Dame and Louisville both have a bye after USC week, so the 21st. Like, could we not have gotten that bye week this week and then played Louisville that week? Like, that's silly. Well, we, but We have two byes in the back half of the season. Yeah, I don't – In the back – and almost in the back third. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Literally the back third, right? Last four yeah. games. Mm -hmm. Ian, to, the, Ian to, that, to that point – to the point you were talking about, Bayless, like this is because this is probably the most difficult four game stretch we've seen a Notre Dame team have. Um, Bayless would have been it would have been of paramount importance over over like this three this three or four week stretch, just for keeping guys focused during the week, right? Like he's um, he's kind of that he's kind of that really good motivator that that they have in the off season. He's he's that fresh voice for them, rather than the guy, rather than just the coaches they have the meeting in the meetings room with, in the film room with, and on and on the field. Uh, I think that that's a really good point. This this week especially showed that his ability to keep guys on task and ability to keep this team as fresh as possible uh, is probably being sorely missed right now. Yeah, and I've seen stats floating around Twitter. Like Notre Dame's played like you know seven, eight games in a row in the past, and almost every prior year. It's not like a bye always comes after week six. Um, and we've never seen a team look this exhausted mm -hmm. no. and just not sharp. And like, like we've yeah. had mistakes. Like Miami game, that was just you know kind of also a Murphy's Law game. That was six years ago. In the last five years, I have not seen a team come out and just look like yeah. it's not that they were disinterested it's like they were just getting beaten up like louisville wanted it way more yeah joe all getting babied was kind of the sign like this yeah. this is not our day and i mean it you said a d like it's been six years we've, we've beaten the acc in those types of games for 30 straight games like we have to identify why this broke the broke the camel's back 
it was Alt, Alt, and and Morrison on, on the on the first. I think, believe it was the first touchdown where he just loses track of Thrash in the corner. Mm-hmm. Like that's not. I've seen Ben Morrison get beat, and he'll get beat again in the future, and he's still a stud no matter what. But that was just like it's almost again like he just lost focus for a second. It was yeah. it was very uncharacteristic. Um, on, on this point, I, I thought this was interesting, and I, I don't know how much stock I put in it just quite yet. I want to hear what you guys think. But Fortuna and Samson on their recap pod had a long discussion regarding Jack Swarbrick's responsibility in, in a result like this with the schedule as an independent he gets to crash for Notre Dame. And I think the points that are worth considering here, right, is, you know, if Pete said, like, did you really need to go to Dublin to go play five time zones away? So that's one, right? Dublin to start the season is one. Um, you probably can't control. I don't think he has control of the 7:30 starts. To me, that's a that's a television network thing. But um, not not giving yourself a buy for ten calendar weeks for ten calendar weeks is or games, nine I mean, calendar weeks. Not, it's not with, like we're Michigan not going on the road till it's October. Like so. So there's there's the two points, and then the third point here is like. Swarbrick knows this. He's been around the block. Like he knows when midterms are are not a secret at Notre Dame. It's not like you're not guessing when midterms are. And the fact of the matter is, is that this week, last week, this week, and next week are the biggest midterm weeks for the fall semester. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. We all three of us were there. We know it. Like first few weeks in October suck for as being a student. Um, so on top of all the like on top of the travel and the late starts and stuff like. Don't you think that as a as a as an AD, you'd want to look out for your students a little bit more and do what you can to to get that by, especially with the extenuating circumstances you had with the travel to start the year. Like, I, I don't know if he's fully culpable, but he didn't. He's not doing this coaching staff or these players any favors by not by not getting the buy. Hey, also, did we need to take the Tennessee State game week two? We need an A game, but like, did we need back after the year? Did we need? Did we? We needed to take A game. Obviously, we need to play a twelfth game. But did we need to take Tennessee State week? You know, immediately following Dublin, or in that week, or is it possible that we that we could we could have played somebody November twelfth after Clemson? All of that, like, I I bet he was looking at it as like that was almost a bye week. That's pretty much bye week playing our first FBS almost ever. Uh, and then in the past, the issue of Brian Kelly to give Swarbrick a little credit here, the issue has always been November. So I think that's why he actually probably wanted, thought we probably could get to this point. Um, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. You probably don't think Duke's going to be a night game because it's Duke. Probably doesn't normally warrant that. And then he has no control over Louisville flex being flexed to a night game. But Freeman identified it like when he's like four straight night games, he's like, oof. Shit, like it's. I, I think, think Swarbrick. It's his fault that we didn't have a buy this week. The other stuff, yeah. probably a little bit out of control. I don't think if you talk to him about Dublin, he's gonna wave you off. He's gonna. You don't even. That's so big for our brand. I don't even care. That's fine, but I just think he. I think he rolled the dice and he lost on. Yeah. On yeah. Bank on not getting us a buy in the first half of the season, right? Like mm-hmm. that's ultimately that's on him and. I it would think, do I think the Tennessee State game was great? Yes, I have no problem. I think it's really cool to play HBCU, and 
I'm glad they came came and played. It was very good exposure for everybody involved. But man, did I just don't think retros and hindsight's gonna be 2020, right? We can all say it now retrospectively, but I just don't think you needed that game. And I think a rest week in September um, would have went an extremely extreme long way. Or fine, you want to take that game? Don't play the Central Michigan game, right? Like a week a week mm-hmm. more to prepare prepare for Ohio State, man. It's just this is this is. The, the 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 grind the grind of a football season finally came to a head this week between being a student athlete with midterms, the your body really catching up with you between the all the travel and uh, and the physical games you've played and then obviously you know there's just the, the mental wear as well of probably of of a deflating loss to uh, to somebody you know you should have gotten a few weeks ago almost feels like you let Ohio State beat you a second time tonight or this weekend. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta find new bodies somewhere. Personally, for me, that starts in the back end of the defense. Like I, I am gonna hold off getting too much on DJ Brown's case. He's been a, a very loyal warrior for us for a couple of years. But like, try something new at this point. What do you have to lose? He missed. He missed a few big tackles uh, on at least one, if not both, of the Jawar Jordan runs. Ankles were just. It was. It was. It was. The the second one, the second one, which could have put it, which keeps us, which would have kept us in the game had we had we not given up the touchdown run. The second one, it was, it had to be, it was him or nobody, and he just whiffed in the hole. It wasn't like he was downfield either. He was he was in the gap. It was his gap to get, and he just whiffed, man. It, it was disappointing. And yeah. I, I I agree. I don't want to get on his case too much, man. He's played a lot of ball, and I, I genuinely think yeah. he loves this place. And he loves playing for Notre Dame, but. Um, Another thing, man, you just can't let that happen. Can I, D, what do you have before I say my next piece? I mean, like, it, it was kind of furthering that. It's like, at what point during this season, you know, I think you can't say it's a lost season and just start playing like freshmen, but like, at what, yeah. I, I think you do have to start, you know, getting it. Jalen, well, we're playing too many. You're <laughs> playing like, a lot of freshmen, yeah. Getting a Jalen Snead or Drake Bowen more snaps, guys who are going to be part of the next generation that aren't going to hurt you. I'm not asking them to start, but getting them more looks at Jason Onye on the defensive line. Um, I mean, like the corners, they're, they're still pretty young, but I, I agree with you on the back end. O-line, I still am opposed to shuffling that around. That's just something you can't do. And skill positions on offense, they're all fucking freshmen anyway. Yeah. I, I thought Burnham, I, I thought Burnham played a pretty good game from the end for the first half before Patel got mm-hmm. back. He played all right. There's such a, this could be, stupid as well so shut this down if this isn't right but like you also got to make sure you got to start roster constructing for next year so if you let out if you let drake bowen go out and put some pretty good stuff on tape is he out in the market a little bit seeing seeing where he could jump like i don't think he is but i think there's i don't think i think definitely think there's other guys i think he's gonna be that d guy he's an indiana guy 45 minutes away yeah and he's gonna play baseball so somebody would have to take them for take care of both. But Ian, I think your point stands. Like Sneed, right? Like if Sneed thinks he's not gonna, Sneed's another one. Like he's yeah. he's be, to me to be the better case there. But um, I mean, Mickey's Mickey's probably hanging out because he's got Cam Cam Hart spot next year. But yeah, it's just yeah. such a complex like landscape now. But Donald, shortly answer your question. We still have a lot to play for. Seems like we're dead, but like having USC and Clemson still on the schedule, still a lot to play. It'll for. be fun. 
Yeah. Hey. Fun. New Year's Six is on the table. We still haven't gotten one of those in our lifetime. For sure. For sure. Yeah, we, and we need one. Can I, can I, there's one more per- person that I think I want to talk about who name hasn't gotten mentioned yet. Yeah. Just didn't have a good game. Is it, were you going to say Marist? Because that's who I was going to say. Mm. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's seemingly every other game with him. Like he will play like all over the I field think, against Duke, flying Hawaii, and then just like. I think I think I don't think he had a great game against Duke either. I don't think he's actually that good of a football player. I think he's a great athlete. I don't think he's a great football player. I the more I see of him, the less the less I like of him. Unfortunately, I think he's I think he's gotten exposed a few times, and he he's another one who just didn't tackle very well again this week. I thought that I think the Kai like even if you give up a little athleticism, I think Jack Kaiser is the far far more sure sure-handed tackler than. And Marish is, and he is where he is where he's supposed to be more often than not. There's certain times where Marish just, again, it's Marish's gap to, to fill. Like, you know, yeah, what's his face? Howard Cross takes on two guys. Riley Mills takes on two guys. You know, what's his face? J- J- um, JD Bertrand blows up the tight end of the fullback, and it's Marish's tackle to make, and just don't fucking make it. Like, yeah, if you thought Louisville's guys were hard to tackle. There's a whole nother thing coming. Yeah, I, I do think, think he we probably run the same sort, like type of spy with Caleb Williams that he was running against Riley Leonard, which he was a good position for him. Like he can that's get a great position for him. Run. Yeah. Totally. So I mean, I guess another chance for him to get back on track. But he's infuriating personally mm-hmm. to watch. Um, do you guys have anything else to say? Because I got one more thing we got to talk about. But in terms of loss. Over the summer, losing Brian Mason has proved to be big because our special teams unit is a negative week in, week out. Yep, yep. We're, we're like top five in the country, and like I can't point to I can't point to one everything. plus play on special teams. Fake punt. That's about it. Fake, Fake punt. But that's not like a, that's not a like game to game like execution like beating someone on an actual special teams play. That's just a straight up like we saw a look and went with it. It's not yeah. like you're gaining net punt yards or designing a kick return that even gets us to like the 40 or yeah. blocking a punt. It's seven of those last year. It's it, it, it's um I, I I guess it's tough to compare the the pre Brian Mesa error to to what this is right now. I just don't remember <laughs> it because I was I had so much fun watching Brian Mesa last year. Yeah, it was pulling right. So, so it's you know it's not going to be good. But um, I, I don't even trust me. I'd love the block punts again. That'd be very cool. Would love to have him back. But the fact that the we look anemic returning the football in any way, shape, or form, punt or kickoff, like awful, awful. And we got to and we got. I mean, we got the onside kick, which is I guess another plus play. But but that that was lucky. The Louisville, if Louisville, if Louisville does not move, that ball doesn't go ten yards, and the and the ball is dead. Right, the Louisville kid jumped the gun and it slipped back out. Um, uh, it's just, it, it would be really helpful if if we could get any sort of big play return from from special teams. I just don't think we're gonna get it I, at this point. At this point, if we went back to fair catching everything, I'd, especially on kickoff, I'd be fine with it. Yeah, we're starting eight, nine yards behind where we should be. Like every we time. needed we needed something so bad and like similar to Wisconsin last year. Like you just mm-hmm. need something to change it up. Like if we could have had some sort of plus play on special teams to, to give us an edge we weren't getting on either side of the ball, it would have been really helpful. 
They had a super and, weird punt formation. Yeah. And you don't even – we fucking got it because – because well, was it Payne or who's who's 24? Price. Price. It was Price. Price, Price made the return, and he returned it out to the 40-yard line on uh, in the second half right after they kicked the field yeah. goal. I think it was still 17-13. He returns it out yeah. to the to the 40-yard line and the big fucking Fisher with a with a with a face mask oh brings us God. back to be behind where we would have been had we just had we just fair caught. Uh, how so you how did, you didn't we have a big man. didn't we have a big play? Didn't we have a big yeah. play? Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it, it was Evans. Game. It was like a 35-yard game. It was Evans, it was Evans down the sideline. It was a 30-yard green 30-yard gain, and it bought us back. So on top of it was 15 yards from the line of scrimmage. So it neglects the 30-yard gain and then brings us back another 15, probably a 45-50 yard difference in field position yeah. because Blake Fisher – and I don't know how. like the, the Fisher had him. Like if if you just, look at the pass rush again, he just put his hand in the rock spot. It, it's 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 mind-boggling, dude, what he is because he is – he is he's not it. He's just not it. I, I hope Emil Wagner puts on a ton of weight. Yeah. That's fucking tough. All right. Anyone else have anything to get off the chest? Are we worried about uh, Hartman at all? Hartman. The only thing I'll say about Hartman is like he plays hard. No, I don't. There's very few quarterbacks that could do better in that position. Like he, he still, I feel like, makes the most of what we got. But why are we sliding on on second and eight when like we know how shit we've been in third yard situations? Like he needs to. There's something missing. There's just like a little bit of gamer mentality that's missing. I want you to know that he popped up and thought he had the first down, which is a little bit more infuriating. But he you slid, have to know that. he slid. Like it's where you he start. He's out short. He slid, stood up, and went like this. Like went like this. Uh, and then he looked over the sideline and quickly put it away. That was that was a tough. That's play to it's watch. your six. It's your six. That can't happen, but you got it over the sticks, our man. Um, positive. I will say, like bright spots. We already talked about two. Uh, about one of them is Jeremiah Love. Uh, I thought Bertrand, like Bertrand, played a very solid game in the middle. I really like JD Bertrand played very solid. I'm not sure he's an NFL caliber linebacker, but he's been a damn like for the most part. He's been a damn good college college linebacker. Yeah. And then um, I know we talked about that he shouldn't be, but Jordan Fiazon got like some serious separation of the touchdown. And made a big catch to extend that drive. Um, I think that, like, yes, we shouldn't have to rely on walk on receiver. Yeah. I think he's gonna. I think we're very shortly we're going to stop thinking about him being a, a walk on wide receiver and think of him as just a receiver. I think he's gonna he's, be Fox. He's also, he's also a walk on production. He's only a walk on because he's he was a scholarship lacrosse player. And right. He is a star, and, 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 yeah, and that changed. That changed. Yeah, yeah that changed. He's he's now a scholarship football player. He now counts against our eighty-five. He's off Corrigan's books for the lacrosse scholarships, and he's on Notre Dame football scholarships, um, which is not probably not the end of the world. They probably had one or two they were probably going to give away anyways, to you know whether it be a walk on or just like let him finish the year or whatever. But Fiazon now has one of the, one of the eighty-five football scholarships. So good news for Farley is we have we have an extra quarter or half scholarship to give away in lacrosse. He got more separation on the routes he ran than almost any other wide receiver on Saturday night. Yeah, he, he could he'll... end up being a really, really good college wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got to put on some weight. He's tiny yeah. on there. He's, he's pretty small. Yeah. His number makes it like takes up 
the entire back of his jersey. It looks wild. How much leeway are we giving Jaden Thomas, knowing he was coming off an injury, but being pretty much useless? I mean, his ceiling is a number two receiver. That should never be your number one receiver. I think he could yep. be a really good number two receiver. Shouldn't have to count on him as a number one. Shouldn't like he's not a guy a team is going to game plan around, and he never will mm -hmm. be. He did, he needs to fill his role as just a reliable guy. Gets open, makes the right blocks. You know, should be on the field, but he can't be your stud. And you know, coming off an industry injury, he's even more limited. I just. It, I, and this might be a me problem. I'm just like I'm trying to figure out what's what's stopping him from being from being like a Boykin type receiver. Because to me, they have very similar body type and very similar skill set. It might just be he's just not as good, and that just I might be the answer I have to live with. Mm -hmm. But like to me, is everything everything that looks like he should he could be Miles Boykin for this team, and he's just he's just not. Have we completed the back shoulder throw all year? No. Hartman threw that ball. Miss, that's missed bad, that though. ball placement by about four feet. That's he bad, did, though. but he he did, but he had no time. He got rid of that. He got rid of that ball two or probably a, a second and a half or two seconds sooner than he wanted to get rid of it. Do we yeah. think that was designed fade? Yes, it's designed to be a back shoulder throw, but he had to get rid of that. He had to get rid of that ball so much sooner than he wanted to get rid of it. He barely got a second step off before he had to get rid of it. Yeah. All right. On to USC. Game number two. Game number two of the big three. We're not where we want to be. I guess they, as in the USC Trojans, technically are. But if you ask anyone who has watched any of their games, they are not an overly impressive football team to me. No, they got taken a triple overtime this week, this weekend. It took everything they had to get it to triple overtime. It, they cer it certainly did. I think uh, if I'll go first here, we'll mm -hmm. see this week. Caleb Williams, to me, is everything as advertised. They are really, really not good around him. Um, I just got distracted because it seems like the Braves just hit a big yabo. Did they? They went up 5-4. Uh, wow. That is a good team. Braves are a good team. Mm -hmm. USC yeah. has star power, but they are not a good football team. For a while, I'm talking 5 10 years ago, like USC was a well-rounded football team um, at all positions of the field. Now they're star power and I just, they're not there yet. Um, we're favored for a reason, I think. Yeah. I, I think the big, I'm really hoping he doesn't play because I think he's a game breaker and he's the help that Caleb needs around the, around him. But mm -hmm. Zachariah branch could be an X factor here. He didn't dress this past weekend. I was doing some reading today on it. He's the he's a freshman receiver. He's an absolute stud. He had a really he had a really solid first few games before he got hurt. He did not dress against Arizona, but they but the USC beat writers make it sound like it was more of just like a rest thing, like rest him for this weekend. Um, if he's wow. back, if he's back, that could be some trouble. But again, the way that we've handled guys like Emeka Buka and Marvin Harrison Jr. like he's still he's dangerous, but I think we're equipped to do it right more. About more so than other teams are. Um, for me, yeah. D, D, I mentioned this to you. Or do you want, if you want to touch on that, go on that first because I'm going to move to the other side. No, keep keep going. Uh, so what I what I was trying to D, I was describing to you to this or was describing this to you earlier as far as how I wanted to phrase Alex Grinch versus Jared Parker. 
Um, and I had not I had not such PC way of doing it, but what we landed on was Parker and Grinch is what happens when an extremely stoppable force meets a very movable object. And we'll see who we'll see who wins out on that this weekend because Grinch, this is the I'm not very good at my job off in South Bend this weekend between Grinch and Parker. Yeah, I mean, I know I know we didn't quite keep up with them last year, but we let they let Drew Pine throw for over 300 yards on them. Like, if, if there's ever a team, this is probably outside of Tennessee State, maybe Central Michigan. Like, their defense is that bad. Yeah. They give up yep. huge plays. They get pushed off the ball. Like, it, it's just like they're not a good defense. They're like, we talked about Notre Dame not being focused. That team is never focused on the defensive side of the ball. There's always schematic breakdowns. It, it's where theoretically a good schematic offensive coordinator could light them the F up. Yeah. But could I don't know if we have that. I want you to know, I want you guys to know that the kid, the kid, the, the Arizona quarterback this week was actually Drew Pine sized. He was, he's 5'10", 170. He was a three-star out of, backup, uh, out of Anaheim, right? California. He was the backup and, and he went, he went nuts this weekend. He was five TDs, 303. He was 25 of 35, which is great. If you tell me that, and, and they they're they're limited on the outside as well as as far as targets that people throw to Arizona is. If you're telling me that you can't find a way to replicate something like that for Hartman in this offense, I'm really I'm gonna have a really really tough time swallowing that pill. Come come Saturday night, man. I don't I don't fucking care. Watch the whole watch the whole USC Arizona game. Just lift and shift their plays to us. They probably work just fine because Alex Grinch isn't going to make any adjustments. But uh, it, this is this would be a huge indictment on this entire staff and this entire team if we cannot get things rolling. Yeah, and uh, like I, honestly, I think this matchup comes down to like I even after the last couple weeks, I think we'll be able to score at least thirty points. Um, it's whether we might have to get forty to win it. And, you know, it comes down to stopping Caleb Williams. Luckily, we've seen – we've not seen anyone like Caleb Williams. Let me get that straight. We've seen players that play similarly to him. So, I think, like – I honestly think our game plan against Riley Leonard of Duke, who isn't the same as Caleb in terms of – like, he can scramble, but he doesn't scramble and create plays like Caleb does. No. But we were able to get him down for the most part when he scrambled. And not let him yeah. like try to set his feet and throw. So I think you know we've seen a little bit of that prototype. And Ian, you said this earlier. If there's one football position Maris Lufau is good at, it might just be that position. Yeah, uh, I think Riley Leonard has probably been itching for a second shot at this because he was in the backfield pretty much all of last year. Just could not get Houdini. Uh, there was Caleb Williams. So I mean, it's going to be really key on seeing if we can actually get get pressure and then make that pressure count. But I do think we're going to see a lot of Caleb Williams scramble, but scramble along the line of scrimmage and then play some hero ball. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. But uh, what we can do when we get to him, I think is going to be the biggest X factor. Yep. I agree. God, like going to like have to bring him down, man. You can't, if he's, if he's escaping arm tackles and he plays on the field, that's going to, that's going to suck big time. Um, uh, what's good? The good news is though, like, like 
more so than last year, I almost feel, although it's a similar secondary. I feel like we're almost better equipped on the back end to give the front seven more help, right? Like we can we can afford to leave mm-hmm. five or six up front and we can probably cover one on one or one on one with a high safety or two like two high safety. Like I don't think we're gonna need to play cover four or cover three, it's kind of that, right? Like should be able to sit in a cover one shell um, and keep everything in front of you. Uh, because I think our secondary is pretty talented. Um, so ho- hopefully hopefully that gives the gives the front a, a little bit more help in bringing him down and, cor- and corralling him. Speaking of that too, like game plan wise, going to need another big one from Howard Cross just so we can rely mm-hmm. on him to plug up the run game without throwing too many bodies at it. Um, yeah. If he can do what he, can, he does and swallow up some of the, some of the short run games so we can kind of key in on on dropbacks that'd be incredible yeah i'm looking now from last week's game the marshawn lloyd was 15 for 86 uh, and one touchdown uh, he's really the only running back worth note the other person with the biggest many carries was caleb for 12 for 41 uh he had three touchdowns though so just like Seems like I didn't really get to watch that game, but it seems like he's going to be a bit of a goal line threat as well, Caleb Williams. Which, yeah, unfortunately, another added dimension. I never really thought Kyle McCord was going to be the guy carrying the ball into the end zone, but Caleb Williams will be that guy. Yeah. And look, it's you know, like I said, it's a fun game. Um, obviously, it sucks having your expectations reset, but you come in this one still expecting to win, hoping the Irish win. But you know, it's. You, you can take a different lens to it and sit back and enjoy it kind of a little more and not be yeah. as stressed in the position we are, mm-hmm. which is nice, but it also sucks that it's October 9th as we're recording it. And, you know, we're not going to be super stressed about games. Let's, let's be optimistic here. Say we get, we get this one going into the bye week. 10 and two looks very doable. Looks very doable. Like we have an opportunity now to get right back up off the mat. You get this win against a top ten team um, that I don't actually expect to con- compete in in the Pac twelve, um, but no. they could get another another win along the way with Caleb Williams. But like th- this is a big one, and if we get this one, the season could look a lot different. Like this is a defining point in our season. I think Marcus needs this one. He needs this one really. Yeah. Badly because Clemson is not what anyone expected. And if we go 0 and 2 against what we really knew this after week one, the big two, mm-hmm. you can't go into it against them. Both home games, both home games. But flashback three months, you look at our season and we beat Clemson and USC. We finished 10 and 2. I think all of us would take that. That's still in play. Yeah, totally. That's fair. It's a good point, and it should be hopefully. Hopefully, you win this week, and you can kind of reset that expectation. Just it doesn't feel very good right now. And we're recording on Monday, so it's a little raw. But hopefully, you pick up a win this weekend, and you can kind of reset those expectations again to or to what they originally were. I mean, we saw Marcus pick his team up off the mat last year a little bit, coming off that Stanford game, or even coming off yeah. the, the Marshall one. You know, other than Stanford, but. You know, I, I I think he does have the ability to rally a team after a game like this. I think we've seen it. It sucks that we just were so fucking exhausted, and obviously the Ohio State game was the worst of them. But I think I think this team knows that it's put up or shut up time. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. All right. Anything before else we on get, USC? Before we get, no, nothing for me on USC. Yeah. Um, before yeah, we, before we get into guys. picks, yeah, yeah, we want to hear about we want to hear about the Red yeah. River. Um, for those who don't know, I was in Dallas, Texas, in the Cotton Bowl to see uh, Texas, Oklahoma, a game that is always just unhinged. The first first six minutes of that game took like an hour. It was awesome. Big punts, fumbles, picks on the picks on the goal line. Um, it was incredible for anybody who has never been, which I presume is probably a lot. I recommend it a ton. Put it on the bucket list. Uh, it is like just college football in its purest form. It's just like in the state fair, Texas, Oklahoma fans kind of coexisting, big techs, corn dogs, Lone Stars, Shiners. It's awesome. And then you head into the game and it's, they say they've done the Cotton Bowl recently, but it's pretty ancient. And it's just a bowl at the field in the middle, not very much signage, outdated scoreboards, and they split it down the middle, red on one side, orange on one side. And it is freaking awesome dude it was awesome for three and a half hours the game was incredible um the passion there was pretty incredible and it was kind of a thing like they know they're going to see each other again but like that meant so much to both of those teams like that was one of the louder environments and it was pretty wild because you're on one side and it's either deafening on your side or it's silent on your side and crazy on the other side so i mean it's pretty special um i worked some hook them overalls it was definitely rooting for Texas, but it was nice to like watch a great game and not really care. Uh, what I will say, you guys saw it on TV moving into the football side. Like Oklahoma is so much better than I thought they were. Yeah. I kind of thought they sure. were a bunch of, bunch of nothing, but they are actually pretty damn good football team. Physical as hell. Yeah. I think Venable's got that got, got the boys, right? Like, I think, I think Oklahoma's yeah. going to be pretty freaking good. We've, yeah. uh, we heard from Sean, though, no, Slev, that he says this, that game is the best thing America does. And like, it's pretty cool. It's, it's just pretty cool. <laughs> if you love, so, if you love college football, it's pretty awesome. So you'll go back with us next year. 100%. I hope, like, yeah. It's going to happen every year, right? Like the move to the SEC doesn't affect I, it. I think so. Yeah, it'll be yeah. it'll be like Auburn, Alabama playing every year. Yeah. It's They're awesome. not going to It's awesome. I think that schedule that scheduling model allowed like I don't know exactly I don't remember exactly how it played out, but I'm almost certain it left for things like the cocktail party for the Iron Bowl, um, for Bama Tennessee and for Red River. I think it left made room for those things to stay intact. Yeah. So can I rattle off like my my meals on Saturday? Yes. For you guys? I yep. mean, like any any vegans or health nuts probably skip forward a little bit. But I kicked off the day with a morning a breakfast corn dog before the the sun was even up. Um, that was pretty special. Couple couple shiners uh, had a bite of an alligator sausage, uh, burger, and then uh, after the game. We did another burger, a turkey leg, and then cheese fries with bacon on them, uh, and then chips and queso, and then chicken thighs. So yeah. Sunday, was, Sunday was definitely a get-right day. I had a green smoothie. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Yeah. I'm How was that alligator sausage? Spicy. 
spicy. Yeah. I didn't really know anything about it, but that thing almost put me on my ass. I was like, oh my gosh. What's the what's the restaurant South Bend? Is it Corn Dance up in Yeah. Ranger? They serve alligator and I had it there. It was delicious. I did uh I did get Isaac McConaughey on the sideline. And it's so handsome? funny. Yeah, he's a great, he's a good looking dude. Um, <laughs> he definitely doesn't doesn't eat turkey legs and have morning corn dogs. But uh he's walking through the sideline like he is like the DC. It's so funny. <laughs> like when Texas needed a rally, he's the guy that like got him going. That's insane. That's very yeah. funny. Yes, the only other like I mean there are other big games. The only other, the one with big playoff kind of implications. Bam and A and M. Tom, do you have something to say? No, we can do Bam A and M, and then I have one more game I want to touch on. Okay, yeah, Christopher, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can end oh, on that right. one. Let's do Bam Bam A and M real quick. I think uh, A M's really hurt without Connor Wakeman, and I don't think still think Jimbo has a lot of trouble with the clock. And him and Petrino aren't seeing eye to eye, and it became very evident this week. This Alabama defense is locked down, uh, and Milrow is start. Milrow in this offense is starting to figure it out ever so slightly. Also, Miss Terry getting a Nick's ass, but getting a knees guy's ass, I think worked this week. So, shout out to her. Looking again in a Notre Dame perspective, having A and M on the schedule next next year, like as long as Jimbo's coaching, they're gettable and they're beatable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, somebody did make the point around that, Ian, that, that next year is the year that that number one class is all juniors. Doesn't matter. Jimbo's still I, coaching. Agree, I agree with you. I agree with you. I would yeah. love if Petrino was still there too. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, last one we got. We have to. We have to, have to, have to. Uh, Mario Cristobal, unbelievably, is a repeat offender at this. He's done it before. When was it, it before? Wait, have you not seen it? Yeah, it's it's bad. It's, it's real bad. One. Oh man, he's no. He did but it in yeah, Oregon. They, they they were playing Stanford, and he opted to try to try to do the same thing. He was running the ball. The quarterback fumbled the snap. Stanford landed on it, kicked a game tying field goal, and then Stanford won in overtime. For context here, for anybody that didn't see. Miami, an undefeated number 17 team in the country, a good team that has a chance to like have a pretty special season, was beating Georgia Tech that had no timeouts with a minute and 13 seconds left. And instead of kneeling, ran the ball. For God knows what, there's speculation in there, but run up the score, there's recruits there. They wanted to get that running back over 100 yards. Who knows what? But that guy fumbled. Georgia Tech scores with one second left to win the game. There's the context. Uh, uh, Just unbelievable. If, if, please, like, everybody feel like their own entertainment this week. If you get a moment at work while you're sitting at your desk and you're bored, go find the tweets uh, showing the screenshots of the offensive line coach running over to Cristobal and the offensive coordinator with a minute left and with one, 104 left and 113 left, screaming at them to kneel the ball, and he just gets ignored. He just – I'll send you – I'll send the two of you the tweet. He gets ignored. It, it, it is un. Believable the stupidity that goes into that. Like the fact that this is and like one time brain fart, whatever. Like the fact that he's known for doing this for not kneeling the ball. They haven't they haven't kneeled the whole year. And like they're an undefeated team, which is nuts, right? Like, how are you if you're an undefeated team, you haven't hit the victory formation once? Uh, unbelievably stupid. My fraud of the week, our collective fraud of the week. I, I think that's fair. 
Yep. He caught he 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 costed he costed that team a uh, playoff run or like a, a shot at the playoff run, and he probably costed that team a spot in the ACC championship game. <laughs> Especially incredible. with Riley, Riley Leonard going down, it, it, unbelievable. They paid stupid. him so much money too. Paid him so much money, and like that's not even like there are situation games where it's like, yeah, armchair analysts would do things probably a little differently. Hindsight, like an eleven-year-old gets that right because they played Madden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madden, I always try to run it up, but. <laughs> <laughs> There are some other other games to touch on real quick. Yes, let's do it. Georgia looked good, finally. Georgia took care of business at home against the ranked team. Michigan's mm-hmm. really really good. I hate to say it, but they're really, they're really freaking good. Um yeah. Texas will see Oklahoma again in the Big 12 championship. Yeah. Yes. I think they're they're the clear top two, unless one stumbles. And I, I don't see any other team really having one loss, though. So yeah. Nope. No. Um we saw we Talked on Ohio State, kind of figuring it out in the end. Um, yeah. North Carolina, when are we going to give them some love? They played really Sneaky. well. They played really well again. I'd like to see them play someone. Sure. But until then, they've done all they can do. Yeah. Drake may, Drake may kind of turned it on this week as well. I don't. Know, I still don't think he's got. He's going to have enough juice for the Heisman at this point. But he, he let's not forget the heat that dude balls out too. He's good, and they got Tez Walker back, thankfully. NCA finally figured that the fuck out. Took them long enough. Um, all right, you guys want to do some picks this week, and we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Yep. Yep. Tom, can you uh, do me a favor? Can you read my record this year to our listeners? I, you know what the worst part was? I was going to start with that. Like, I, I, I really, really was like, I was going to talk about how well D's doing. And he's been elite picking games, and now I don't want to anymore because you asked. Yeah, we'll do it anyways. Yeah, it's on the Five graphic. It's on the graphic. Yeah, it's on the graphic. You guys can go see yourself. Five and one week for D. He's now twenty nine. What? Irish. Irish were the blemish. Twenty nine and one with four and one in the locks. Um, I will say, I'm. I had a bad week, and we don't make excuses, but. I don't know if you watched the end of the Missouri LSU game. Uh, you deserve to no lose. Sh- yeah. D, you do deserve to lose that game. Absolutely yep. deserve to lose that. Uh, the yeah. pick six was was garbage. Garbage. Also, also that, that LSU that LSU defense is a secondary optional. atrocious. Uh, optional is a good word. Optional is a really good word. Um, D, that's a that's a pretty profitable record though. You're taking you're taking your girl out to some dinners, yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Liz has to get treated nicely. Or, or are you are you reinvesting? I've been reinvesting <laughs> for a, a nicer dinner. We're saving up for a vacation, not just a dinner. Nice. Yep. Hoot hoot, D. Uh, Twenty nine and one. Ian, uh, not doing too shabby yourself. Uh, Eighteen, eleven and one. Um, I think that made you that make you, you three and four or sorry four and two last week. Three three now. Week, I think three, three and three last week, and yeah, three and three last week, exactly right. And your lock, your your lock blew it, like blew their team out of the water. So very solid, uh, very solid pick in your your case. Uh, me, not so good. Um, I won one game last week, uh, and my lock stuck. I think it was a really, it was probably if I could take that lock back, I would. I should have just gone with Scarlet Knights. Um, Rutgers is now Rutgers is now five zero and one against the spread. Um, they are a juggernaut team uh, for your book. 
But uh, Army is not that team. Uh, pouring rain at Mitchie Stadium and uh, and and Boston College had just, just bought it a little bit more than I thought they were going to. So bad week for me. I'm down to 12, 17, and 1 with a 3 and 2 locks record. But um, let's keep moving forward here. We'll start with our game. Uh, 7.30 kick. Are you, are you both in South Bend next weekend or just UD? I'm in. I, I, I'm a, I am indeed. Jonathan, you're, I think you're, you guys you're, have in, good time. you're in Chicago Friday, right? Yeah, Chicago Friday. That might be the part I'm going to miss more. But we miss you, Seth. We'll miss you. Yeah, I might face him on Friday night. But all right, USC at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, two and a half point favorites right now. Um, I think that's what it opened at, and it hasn't moved a ton yet. Um, I'm a little surprised it hasn't jumped one way or the other, but we're two and a half point favorites for those who won't be there. 730 NBC. Uh, who you guys got? We were we'll two point dogs. Action. Look ahead line, two point favorites last week. So I'm sorry, did, actually, I not, did I not say – sorry, we're two-and-a-half-point favorites right now. Yeah, sorry. We were, yeah, we were okay, two-point okay, favorites. Yeah, right. Look ahead before we lost to Louisville, mm-hmm. which on, I think is more so a comment of how crap USC looked on Saturday. I would agree. I would agree. All right. This is a mind says no, heart says yes. Maybe USC just is that bad. I think the over certainly gets hit in this one. Um, you know, the, the, this is a game that, you know, we hope we bounce back. Maybe we don't. I don't see us getting blown out either way. I say it comes down to the final possession. Caleb's trying to bring them back, but we end up stopping them. We went 42 to 38. Mm. That, that's right around where I was. Um, yeah, not not a lot of good things, but being home will help. Uh, I'm gonna go with a cover. I'm gonna go 41 to 31. Um, so far, the the pundits that we that I spend a lot of my time listening to during the week like the Irish thus far, which is to me a good sign because they've been pretty good so far. But Elliot, Pete, Josh, Pete. Um, yeah, he he called it against Louisville. Yeah, they they both called it. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I think that's a good sign for us this week. Um, I'm gonna go 31-28. I think our defense has stood up all freaking year, and I'm gonna count on them to stand up again. Um, I'm still very skeptical on on what we're what we've seen from um, Jared Parker and. Until we see more, I'm not 100% sure that we're going to get more than one touchdown per quarter. Um, but I still think we win the game, still think we cover, so I'll go 31-28 here. Um, survive and, and move to the bye week. Uh, it'll be the first time in a long time I'm actually looking forward to a bye week. Yeah. Um, all right, another big one, really, really big one. This should be fun. I, I, actually, uh, I hope you guys get the chance to watch it as well. Uh, Oregon goes to Seattle to play Washington. Washington is two and a half point favorites as well at home. Um, this should be a fun one. Uh, games on ABC. What do you guys think? This, this is going to be awesome. I really so wish we'd be able to watch it. Yeah. Um, I, I just think Washington and that offense has shown a little more juice than any one thing I've seen out of Oregon. Oregon's a really well-rounded team too. They're really good. Mm-hmm. And I ultimately think it, it comes down to like a kick at the end for the home team. Like whoever, this is whoever has the ball last, much like the Cotton Bowl, that style of game, awesome back and forth. 
I think it's going to be very similar, similarly played. And ultimately, like I'm, I'm just going with the home team here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think I asked you guys a little while ago, like or a couple weeks ago, if you had to pick one, Oregon or Washington, who wins Pac-12, and all of us were like toss up. This is a toss up. This is that game. This one, uh, I'm going with my brother Brando, just moved to Seattle um, with his his now wife, and uh, they li- she works for University of Washington, so we're gonna we're gonna have to take the Huskies here. Close. Sound like Lee Corso. Huskies in a tight one. Um, <laughs> Don't tell me it's not Lee Corso. <laughs> Seventy that years was, younger than him. <laughs> that was the meanest thing I've said to anybody all week. Um, and I said some not nice things about Maris. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Oregon on the road here. Uh, like D mentioned, I think they're a super well-rounded team. I think they're trained well-coached. I like Dan Lanning a lot. Um, defense has been real salty. I've been impressed with the offensive line. Um, and Bo knows. So Dude, his his been campaign I, gets a little juice. I sent a video to love this. There was a 30-story high advertisement of what it said, Bodacious, of just a photo <laughs> of Bo in the middle of Dallas, <laughs> Texas. It actually was two buildings. His arm extended onto an ancillary building. It was shocking. Bo runs the world. So that's a good pick, left, but I'm still going with the Huskies. The devil works hard, but the, mark, the Oregon marketing team works harder. <laughs> yeah, um, apparently. <laughs> Uh, next game we'll take a look at. Um, <laughs> Going to be tough for anybody to take the U here, but uh, Miami travels to Chapel Hill uh, for a 7:30 kick uh, on ABC as well. So uh, you know, obviously we change the channel for Notre Dame game, but you know, should be able to pull up this one pretty easy on a side screen if you're at home. Um, North Carolina three and a half point home favorites from Keenan Stadium, Chapel Hill. Who you guys got here? So I, I was actually considering looking at this one for my lock. I think that's the mm-hmm. type of loss with the type of coaching where you literally just lose faith in your leader after that game if you're Miami. I actually would pick Miami if they had won last week because I don't know if North <laughs> Carolina's that great. I think, but like you said when we were talking about it earlier, they're starting to wrap things up, mm-hmm. and I think that Miami team, like, how do you motivate your guys after that? Especially Miami, that locker room is a little differently built than Notre Dame. They're all NIL focused and stuff like that. Like it's a little different culturally, and I could see them just being like, "What the fuck?" Like, so I'm gonna go with Carolina. I think that's just like that team. He just neutered them mentally. Well said. Um, I think that was pretty astute, pretty spot on. Um, you could you could visually see Cristobal lose the team. Uh, on the sideline there. Uh, and I'm going to go with the better quarterback here. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke had a tough day against Georgia Tech, who lost to Bowling Green. I know college football doesn't work that way, but it's tough to get over in my head. Um, tough one to bet, but I'm going to go with Drake May, who's starting to figure it out. Yeah. D, D, D your point about Cristobal losing the locker room, I don't know if you guys saw the video. It's I feel bad for the kid, but it is objectively hilarious. Offensive lineman with the super long hair. On the bench, the ESP, ESPN of all people posted it, but it's it's video of him crying on the bench in Hard Rock Stadium, and the camera catches him picking his head up and going, "What the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> right after the loss, it's like, yeah, that's a real good question, brother. I uh, I think a lot of people are asking the same thing. Uh, I think that locker room might be fractured. Um, I'll go with the better better quarterback here as well, Drake May. Uh, North Carolina covers that three and a half. Um, Another fun one here. I actually don't know. I'm not very confident in this one. I don't know what to do with this game, but UCLA at Oregon State. 
Oregon State's four-point favorites at home. This game's at 8 p.m. on Fox. Um, I'm happy that this game's not a 10 a.m. local kick or, or 9 a.m. local kick for, for them. Um, but, yeah, Oregon State at home for four-point four point home favorites. Who you guys got? I feel like all these, like, Tier 2 Pac-12 games, we've just been picking them, like the Utah, UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, that, that group mm -hmm. of four there. And I legitimately have, like, no clue on either of them because they all seem to be going one way or another. Mm -hmm. Like, it's hard. I think UCLA, um, you know, they did cover last week, but they, they honestly probably should have been – they should have won by more. They made some mistakes. Um, and you said this is in Corvallis? Yeah, in Corvallis. DJ, okay, that changed. DJ played really freaking well last week. Mm -hmm. He's starting to pick things up, starting to actually play, like, you know – the five star, I think he was, and you know, I, I I just like these home teams. I think UCLA is well coached. I think this will be a low scoring game, but something just tells me the ride with the Beavs. They haven't let me down yet this year. Um, I I gotta go first next time because I'm I'm just tailing D right now. But I'm gonna go with the Beavs as well. I I wasn't able to get eyes on it obviously because I was eating corn dogs, but I did hear. A, a lot of rumblings that like Chip Kelly and Dante Moore just aren't clicking yet. Um, I think he's still a freshman. It's a it's going to be a tough environment to play in, um, and I, I think Oregon State will be able to control this game a little better. So I do think it'll be tight. Four is a tough number. Still going to go with the Beavs to cover at home. Yeah, I think game control is going to be important here. Like you said, Ian, uh, UCLA ran ninety-seven plays last week. Yeah. On offense, crazy. that is a crazy high number, especially with the new clock rules. Um, I agree. I also had have heard the thing that, that Kelly and Jim Kelly and uh, Dante Moore aren't meshing just quite yet. Uh, to me, this is more about the fact that I haven't seen a ton from Dante Moore on the road. Um, I think he's been really, really good at home, but I haven't seen a ton of him, ton, ton of great things from him on the road. Um, and this. We talked about it last week. This Oregon State defense is for real, man. Like they're they're a really, really, really good defense. So I think they're really going to test that ninety-seven play count, and, and I think they're going to test Dante more. Um, I think that or that Oregon State defense gets it done in Corvallis. So I'll take I'll take the Beavs minus four. Um, all right, last one here coming to you coming to you live from Knoxville. It's Texas A and M at Tennessee. Um, Tennessee is three and a half point home favorites. And this game's at 3.30 on CBS. So you guys won't, probably won't be able to get eyes on this one either. Um, but Tennessee, three-and-a-half-point home favorites. Who you guys got? Ian? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I think Neyland Stadium's going to have a vintage performance this weekend. I think they're whipping out some checkered uniforms or something. Um, I love that. But it could be pretty rocket in Knoxville. Uh, mm. I don't think Tennessee's actually that good of a team, but I've already shit on Jim this pod, so it'd be hypocritical to not uh, go with the Vols here. Yeah, I'll take a and I still think – I think their defense can be very good. Um, every rep that quarterback Johnson gets – I mean, he his, Tennessee's defense is not what he's seeing out of Alabama, especially in the secondary. Um, Joe Milton is still literally the definition of a loose cannon throwing the ball. <laughs> um, so I will go with the Aggies. I, I think they bounce back. He, he tends to spray and pray. Um, so that <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I'm going to take 
10, it doesn't feel good. I honestly feel like I'm taking the cheese here, especially after Andrew's lost last week. But I'm going to take Tennessee at home uh, three to cover that three and a half. Um, I think even if he's spraying and praying, I think Milton's a little bit better than Zach Johnson. And I think Hypo coaches really well at home. Um, you know, could be another situation where Jimbo and Virginia get put to the test and they don't pass again, uh, unfortunately, for, the, for their team. Um, and it would be really fun to watch watch the meltdown in two in College Station the, the, subject the following week. So for that reason, I'll take Tennessee at home. Uh, anybody got a lock they like? Why don't you go ahead? You haven't gone first yet. Mm-hmm. I have a backup one, so I'll take anybody's pause. Just pause me. I'll go back to. I'll, I'll fall back on old reliable. But we're gonna go with. Uh, we'll go with Bones Mountaineers. Uh, playing earlier, early. Old, like they're playing Friday. Old reliable. Oh, old, old, reliable you know, Rockers. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, but we'll go with Bones and Mountaineers for my lock this week. They're two and a half point road favorites at Houston. Um, I think that Houston program is not in good, very good shape right now. Dana, Dana's on the hot seat, uh, and West Virginia has been playing much better football than I think anybody thought they were going to. Um, I like them on the road. I think they've they've proven they've proven their medal on the road so far. So uh, I'll take I'll take West Virginia minus two and a half in Houston on Friday night. So I have one, and when I was looking for my lock this week, I was just searching for dumpster fires. Uh, and it doesn't look like Baylor's playing this week, so I had to go elsewhere. Um, <laughs> and I actually ended up in Fort Worth, and mm-hmm. things don't look great. For TCU. Things don't look great for TCU, and they're laying five against the Mormons. No, no, Ooh. no, no. Church of they cover for the Mormons, <laughs> and they're gonna. And I would potentially sprinkle the money line. But plus five, BYU plus five at TCU. I don't think anybody's going to go to the game at TCU. Home, home field advantage, gone. Season kind of in shambles. Quarterback hurt. Mormons. Virtual blood. So it's hilarious. Sorry, D, continue. <laughs> so, so there's one program that has been flying under the radar a little bit, and you wouldn't expect them to because it's the Air Force Falcons. Undefeated. Ooh, I looked at this one too. Five and zero, oh. and in their last few games, they have just been throttling their Mountain West opponents. San Diego State, respectable opponent, usually one of the top teams in the conference. Forty nine ten last week. You know, you think of them as triple option, but these guys can put up points. They're playing Wyoming, who's a solid program. We saw that what they did to Texas Tech earlier this year. They beat Texas State last week too. Yeah. Wyoming. Mm-hmm, they do. Yeah, which is why I, it's not necessarily the Wyoming that I'm writing here because I think they've surprised a lot of people. It's just the Falcons, like, that's a different style of football team you have to prepare for. It's tough to do. They're coming off a of bye week, so they've had extra time. They're getting 10 and a half. They're getting 10 and a half. Against Wyoming, that game is being played – uh, it, it's Saturday. I'm not sure what time. But I it, it, it's Saturday. Uh, Saturday at 7 p.m. from yeah, uh, Colorado Springs. Yep, I'm, I'm taking the Falcons. D, really proud of you for doing that because we just added a we just added another logo to the to the logo doc. The third the third and final academy has been added to the. Uh, to the logo. So I'm trying to see if I find a fancy retro one, but it looks like it's just going to be the classic like, AF first. Like, 
how did how did like, Chip do in his picks last week? Did he make up for any Danny Doug holes? Uh, how did Chip do last week? Um, not great. He was <laughs> one, oh and two, one and two, one and three, two. Oh, he went three and three. So okay. not really, not bad. But his lock hat, right? Yeah, he had Michigan. Right? Yeah, his lock hat. My and mine was the one for mine. Mine didn't hit this week, so I can't really. Those in glass house. Backup block potentially be Michigan. Home yeah. of Indiana. They might roll. Mm. They probably will. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what you mean by might, but um, all right, fellas, good job. Um, I'm, je- I'm jealous you guys will be in South Bend this week. I heard it's, heard it's gonna be sweater weather. I'm proud yeah. of us for podcasting after losses. Last yep. year, after Marshall, after Marshall, we just we, we folded. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But we were battling. We all knew we, we nobody wanted to do it tonight, but we knew we had to. Yep. Grit. All right. All right gritty on this pod. Dan, I'll see you Friday. Yes, sir. FaceTime me in on Friday, fellas. Cool deal. All right. See Peace. you, boys. See you.